Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well. I apologize. I am having internet issues again today, so I'm going to have to keep my camera off to keep the connection stable. Um, but they are working on it, so hopefully this will be over today. Anyways, um, so thank you guys so much for joining us. So as you guys, I think most of you here know, um, this is our Royal Investing 101 show. It's kind of our foundational type of show. We bring you not only knowledge topics, but special guests, as well as we do kind of Q&A sessions. Um, and today we've got a great guest speaking. So we've got Chris Weiler here, who's going to be uh, giving us a presentation here shortly. Um, and Chris is a good friend of RLS. If you have been attending these shows, you have certainly heard his knowledge come up inside of the show. So excited to see what he's got for us today. So a couple of housekeeping matters before we get started. I want to remind everybody these shows are recorded, hosted on our Wistia channel. So they are something that you can go back and re-look at. Or if you want to share with your network, if it's something you find valuable, you're welcome to do that. With that being said, just know that if you want to keep your camera off, change your name, whatever you feel comfortable with, because these are going to be publicly available. Um, now, for, for the format of the show today, we're going to start out with having a quick networking um, breakout room here. It'll last about 10 minutes in just a moment. Inside that breakout group, really just want you guys to use it as a time of networking. No particular prompts for today. Um, the feedback we've gotten is you guys are really just enjoying that connection time, so want to make sure you get as much of that as you possibly can. We'll come out of that breakout group. I'll hand the floor off to Chris. Um, he will present for us today. Chris, do you want to give us a heads up on what you're going to be talking about? Oh, sure. Just uh, we're talking about uh, remote management of real estate activities and uh, got a few topics that I want to cover and look forward to, uh, to talking. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll hear from Chris and then we'll have a Q&A portion there at the end. And so as always, if you have any questions as we go about, you know, take them down, pen and paper, we'll get them answered at the end, or you're welcome to drop them in the chat. Chat's a good place to keep an eye on as our staff's in there as well. And they'll be dropping links and just various tips throughout the show. You may see our Discord link come through. Um, and what Discord is, is that's going to be our opportunities to connect outside of these shows. We've got channels for all investor personas. Um, and it's somewhere that we've got staff in there. You can get questions answered. You can connect, network with other investors as well. Um, you'll probably see our content calendar come down. Um, that'll tell you what shows we have coming up and what will be on those shows. So I want to make sure that we have got enough time to have Q&A there at the end and that Chris has got all the time he needs. So we're going to hop straight into it. So Chris, I'm going to hand the floor off to you, bud. There we go. Such a rookie move. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate the, uh, the intro. Um, hey, everybody. I, I think I know the uh, majority of the people here. Uh, just going to talk about remote management of uh, real estate activities today. Uh, again, for those who don't know, my name is Chris Weiler. Gonna just kind of go off with a, a small disclaimer here. Uh, not your typical accountant, doctor, attorney disclaimer. Just a disclaimer that, uh, you know, what I express is my, is my opinion, my opinion only. And that many will, or, or some might disagree with some of the choices and, that I've made. And to be honest, I welcome that. Um, I think we all learn from those who maybe think a little bit differently than ourselves. Uh, my risk tolerance is high. Uh, and although I talked predominantly about my successes, uh, there have been a number of missteps too. So uh, really do your due diligence on your deals, um, You know, especially if what you're investing in is remotely and maybe hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Uh, so some of the topics uh, that I was hoping to discuss uh, was just a quick little background on myself. You know, why uh, it's a great idea to invest remotely, maybe why not? Um, you know, how do I find deals? You know, uh, partners, profit splits, you know, property management, to use it, do you not, when, when not? Um, you know, how do you scale financing, bookkeeping, accounting? Uh, some of those things I'm going to talk a little more in depth. Some things I, at the end, especially I may or may not get into or just really briefly talk about. 
Um, I welcome a good flow with a discussion. I, I don't have a PowerPoint presentation here. Uh, if anybody has questions, you can either throw it in the chat or uh, feel free to, to raise your hand or interrupt me. I'm happy to talk more about something or another. Uh, you know, the first, you know, after talking about myself, when we start talking about why not investing in remotely, I'd, I'd love to get some feedback from the group first of why you think are good reasons not to. Uh, all right. So just a quick little background on myself. Uh, again, my name is Chris Weiler. I started in real estate about 2010. Most of my real estate experience is in landlording, flipping, lending, 95% of which is a few thousand miles away from me. Uh, before that, I was in the pharmaceutical industry um, as a rep. Loved that job. Made good money. Um, I was lucky enough to have my employer, Johnson Johnson, uh, pay for my MBA. You know, after that, uh, I really wanted to start my own company. I just had really no idea what industry to get into. And when uh, the real estate market completely fell flat in 08 uh, and I saw the blood in the street, it, it just felt right that that was the time to go, jump in. I had a lot of friends and family tell me I was crazy to do so. And I said, well, that's the time to jump in. Everything is cheap. Uh, and when I first started, I started what's called transactional funding. I'm not going to go into detail about that, but it's really lending out money for very, very short periods of time. And because uh, it's really just an arbitrage play, it introduced me to a number of markets all over the country. Um, and that's kind of how I started a little bit in, uh, you know, in remote um, or getting more comfortable in remote investing. Um, Top, okay, I guess one of our topics to discuss. So yeah, I want to start off with what are some of the reasons we don't, or, or disadvantages, I should say, to investing remotely? And uh, if anybody would like to bring any up, I've, I've wrote down a whole bunch, but would love to hear what you guys think too. What are some of the challenges? Say and feel free to, to just speak and not have to raise your hand or anything. Okay. Um, where I am, I really have not been able to find realistic deals. And I feel a lot of fear about being far, so far away that I'm just not able to sort of be on site, really see what's going on. You know, you're very much just depending on your team, which hopefully, of course, you have good people. But when you're just not on site, it feels, um, it feels disconcerting. That's fair. That's, that's very fair. Um, you're very reliant on others uh, when you're investing, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Uh, you know, when you get beyond what's your own, you know, neighborhood, either that you currently live in or, or maybe that you grew up in, uh, that can be difficult. Um, but that's also one where it could be an easier transition. Like if you live in one place and maybe you grew up in another and where you grew up is maybe a more target rich environment, a better farm, uh, that can be a great place to start for a remote investment. Um, and, you know, so some of the things that I, uh, so, uh, anything else from, from others? Well, I, I'll, I'll make sure to go over some of those concerns that you have, Leah. You know, I think kind of piggybacking on that is finding the right team can be hard. I mean, you've got to really develop those relationships. And Chris, I've heard you talk about this before is, you know, how do you incentivize and keep that team intact and grow it? And so, you know, for me, that's been one of the challenging parts is having a team I find I love and they stick around that it doesn't change too frequently. Right, right. Good, good. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to list some of the ones that I've, uh, 
that I've listed here um, that we didn't cover. Let's see. It's certainly easier to build a team if it's local. It's easier to get financing, you know, through some local contacts. You know, sometimes you might have a local credit union or local banks that uh, you may already have a relationship with. Um, uh, it's easier to get deals maybe, you know, like if you're going to local RIAs and such or local, you know, wholesalers, uh, look, it's easier to network, you know, if you're face to face and it's, and it's, it's near you. Uh, and frankly, you can take a more active role and, you know, provide, you know, that sweat, you know, when it's right around the corner or if it's, you know, within driving distance of you. So why the heck do we invest remotely? Why would I do that? Well, uh, here, here are the main reasons why. I mean, I live in California. There are, there are, look, there are plenty of people who are doing deals locally. I just find that you have much broader choices if the whole nation, uh, well, frankly, the whole world, is uh, your potential farm. Uh, you know, there's a lot, I, I, I find that I can get a lot, my money goes a lot farther in, for instance, like the Midwest or in the South, uh, than it does in California. And, uh, for me, it, it's not even necessarily, uh, the amount of money, you know, the capital per se, but in California, you have a lot of people who only invest locally and they're very happy with low single digit returns. Um, I prefer, you know, as a full-time investor to get higher than that. And to do that in California is really not that simple. I, I, I wish it was um, because it could have, you know, bigger plots of money and, you know, bigger return. I would have to have less deals, uh, but it's just not. So that wasn't a reality for me. Um, I also like with remote, you know, once you have things set up, uh, you have that option. You're typically much more passive. Like I said, you can't do the sweat equity because you're not locally to lift up a hammer. I'm just not. Um, so even if I wanted to, I, I couldn't. And, and for me, that, that's kind of a benefit because I know I'm going to have to have others do most of the heavy lifting for me. Um, it also can be very tax advantage because you're more of a passive player than an active one. You know, it can lead to a lot of, you know, self-directed 401k or IRA opportunities that, um, you're somewhat limited to if you're a more active player in it. Uh, and I find that, you know, for me personally, you know, if you have good access to capital, uh, it's, it's, easy to it's easy to create those partnerships where really most others do most of the heavy lifting for you. In a sense, my capital does most of the heavy lifting for me. Um, so, you know, from that, uh, you know, how, how do I find deals, uh, you know, when it's, when it's far away? And my answer to you is, I don't. I wanted to pause there. I, I really mean this. I don't find the deals. Uh, my partners do. Uh, so I'm, I'm really heavily reliant on having good partners that find those deals. I do 60,000 foot perspective to make sure that, you know, it is a good deal. And after you do a few deals with people, they get a better idea of what you're kind of accepting looking for. Um, and that is what's really helped, you know, for me. Um, I'm, I, I was trying to think about how to discuss that, you know, and, and for me, I, I think the best way to do that is to talk about kind of my experiences in how I found, you know, partners, you know, out of state uh, and, and how do you find good partners? 
And, um, you know, one of the first ones that, that I had was, uh, you know, I was getting these emails from a realtor and she specialized in, you know, finding properties for, uh, you know, fix and flips for investors. And a lot of these were, were really good deals. And I missed out on some of them because others jumped on them before me. Um, and I, you know, I called her, we, we talked and I negotiated with her and I said, you know, if you give me a first look before you send out your deals to your investors, um, I'll let you double end the deal, meaning you'll represent me on the purchase and you'll represent me on the sale. And I'll also sweeten the deal with, uh, you know, 10% of the profits if you manage, you know, on the ground, uh, you know, the, the fixing of the property. And she was all for it. And because of it, I got to see all these deals first before everybody else. It was a really fun team because uh, her husband was a handyman uh, and a contractor, a general contractor. So he, you know, basically, uh, you know, ran the show uh, with all the subs on the ground and did a lot of, uh, you know, the handiwork himself. Um, I, it was really funny because, because they were husband and wife, you know, and the, the realtor knew what she, what she could sell. Uh, she was the one who was on top of her husband more than I had to be. Uh, so that worked really well, you know, especially when uh, she specialized in short sales and foreclosures. Uh, and when that was really hot, you know, back in, you know, well, it started in 08, but I was more in 2010, 11, 12. Uh, that, was, that was very fruitful. And I really enjoyed that. Um, let's see here. Uh, you know, the, another one I have, uh, was I went to, uh, you know, I, I recommend if you're, if you're really interested in going out of state, sometimes it's, it's very good when you're going to RE, uh, real estate conventions or meetings, don't just go to ones that are close to you. Uh, there are plenty that are in other States. Um, one of my favorites is, uh, masters of real estate, which is in Las Vegas. Um, usually around November, I've been there a few times. Um, another example is, uh, I went, uh, to a hard money convention one time and, uh, really, um, connected with, uh, the son of the guy who was running it. Uh, he introduced me to this wholesaler that was in Ohio. Uh, and, uh, this guy was really hungry. He was leaving leaflets on every, you know, house that uh, looked like it was abandoned. And finally, Somebody, you know, called him back and said, I'm tired of seeing these leaflets uh, that you're leaving out. You know, what can you have for me? And just made this amazing connection uh, with this. Uh, well, frankly, it was a holding company that bought all the assets of a distressed hedge fund. And he was selling these 10 at a time to uh, to other investors. And I was provide, you know, I was introduced to them. He needed the capital to, to double end it so that he could purchase it and then resell it to the investors. Uh, after doing that a couple of times with him, I, I told him, Hey, look, you're, you're, you're being a really awesome wholesaler, leaving a ton of meat here on the bone. Why don't we instead buy a hundred of those and create a, you know, a company together, you know, you could manage it. I'll provide the funding and we'll just keep them as rentals and have them cash flow like crazy. Uh, and, uh, th there's a much longer story to that, but that ended up working out, you know, today's you know, a fabulous partner. And we've got a, a bunch of rentals in Columbus that have uh, appreciated quite a bit. Um, 
and uh, and I'm very happy uh, to have. Uh, uh, another one is, uh, you know, when I was doing that transactional funding, uh, you know, all the country, there was a, a title agent that I had done uh, about about a dozen deals with, uh, you know, in the Tampa market. And he knew a couple of fix and flippers who had just lost their, uh, their funding partner. And because they had experience with him and I had experience with him, he connected us. And, you know, at, at, at first it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's, that's 3000 miles away from me. Um, and I didn't know these guys, but I, I did feel comfortable because we had that person in, uh, you know, in common, that title agent, I, I trusted him and he, uh, you know, the, the rapport was good. Uh, at first, I'll be honest, um, I, there were a lot of safety measures for me. Uh, you know, there's so much due diligence that you can do now that you just couldn't do 20 years ago. Um, uh, and I realized the property we we're investing in or the money I was providing for was worth more than what they got a good deal. It was worth more than what I was putting it into. And uh, I, I don't do this now, but, you know, I often do. Uh, when I first start with somebody new is that I, I, we do the deal in my company's name. So I have full control over it. Uh, you know, once that rapport is developed and, and, and you can see that they're doing a good job, then, um, I, you know, I consider doing it in their company name or we create something together. But at first I like to have control because it's so far away. And per, most of the time I'm providing the vast majority of the capital. Um, but that relationship developed and, you know, now we, you know, we do anywhere from five to 25 flips at a time. Uh, and, you know, they were very much into that flipping mentality and we've done that, you know, together for 10 years. But, you know, over the years, I've been really trying to coax them into doing more rentals, uh, you know, and, you know, kind of tell them about the Columbus thing and how well that's done. And, that if I had to drop everything and, and uh, you know, all the different real estate businesses I do, I, I, the last thing I would give up is the rentals because I love that monthly cash flow. Uh, and, you know, they were very into the whole fix and flip mode. And, and I think the, the real epiphany moment for them was when I told them, hey, guys, you know, we've now, you know, flipped a few hundred properties together. Had we kept 10 percent of them, where would your net worth, worth be right now? And that kind of flew a switch in their brain. And we ended up uh, starting to, to really look at some rentals too. Still do majority fix and flips, but we're developing that rental portfolio, you know, over in, um, in that market as well. Um, another example is uh, I was on some Zoom calls with uh, this, uh, you know, this team, this uh, wife and husband team, they were, you know, buying considerable numbers of properties from auction um, and some from the MLS. And they uh, were constantly doing Zoom calls to, to get other investors in to, to do deals with them. And uh, this was in the South. Uh, and they'd been around for a while and, and I, I could see a number of the deals that they've done and they've been very successful. But, you know, my pitch to them was, look, I, I I can see what you do is really good, but you are spending so much time on the marketing and getting new investors. You know, my question to you is who gives you, who is easier to work with that full-time investor who, you know, offers you 
you know, a million or 2 million or that W2 person who's got maybe 50,000 in discretionary money. Uh, and that's, and they're just relying on you because they don't have any experience in real estate. And, uh, you know, I think the answer is obvious. Uh, and they, they were a little reluctant at first because that's obviously what they're used to, but, um, They've now toned down quite a bit on, on that having to, we've, we've done about a dozen deals together. And today we're closing on a 12 and a half acre property uh, that has a rental on it, but uh, we're going to develop the whole land and throw some modular homes on it. And um, it's near a Marine base. It's a product that's really, really needed. Uh, we're going to subdivide it and we're going to have a lot of fun having that cash flow as well. And if that works out, we're going to buy more land around that particular farm and, and just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Um, the last one I'm going to talk about is, uh, you know, I made a connection in Hawaii. It's a place where the family loves to go and to, uh, to, to visit, uh, you know, on vacation. And uh, just another tip, guys, one of the great remote opportunities is if you have a place that you often go, you know, to, um, uh, to vacation, it's a great place to find uh, real estate um, opportunities because of, of two things. One, you might know the area better. Two, you already know you like going there. Uh, and three, um, there are ways that obviously that if part of your trip is going to be business, when you go there, you can write those off as well. Um, so that particular deal, it's a funny story. I, I met a guy while I was renting a car, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, another tip is, Whoever you are, if we're talking and we're having a conversation, more often than not, it's going to lead to real estate. And it's because I just have a zeal and an interest and a love for it. And, uh, you know, this guy, I find out by trade, he's, a, he's an engineer. And, you know, he, he's just always, you know, he's, he's, he lives on the island and he's always bought a house and fixed it up and, and resold it and moved on to the next one. And, uh, you know, he had a particular problem where he already found another house that he wanted to buy, but he hadn't quite finished, you know, his current, you know, property. And uh, I, I told him, well, um, have you ever considered scaling that a bit? And he's like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And, and I'm like, well, how about we start with this, you know, where I'll provide you the funding for this next deal. Uh, that way you can kind of relax a bit on finishing up, you know, what you're doing here. Uh, so that way we'll, we'll be in on it together. And if, if we find that there's a mutual trust there and mutual benefit, then uh, maybe we continue doing that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been about two years. We've done a few deals together and it's gone really well. Um, I, I considered doing rentals over there, but uh, it's, it's a little tougher, uh, you know, the, I don't want to be that Howley outsider that's owning rentals. Uh, and it's very tough, especially on the wet side of the big island. But uh, it, it's still an option. But the fix and flips is kind of what we're, stealing, what we're dealing with. For the longest time, my partner over there was still predominantly a W-2 and just doing this on the side. So the scale was not really too much of an option. But uh, recently, uh, you know, his employer was going to cut his his compensation by, by 40%. And he said, you know what, Chris, that's just too much. Um, let's, let's do this full time. Uh, so we're now in the process of doing multiple, you know, deals at a time. 
So like I said, uh, and I really want to emphasize this for me personally, it's not about finding the deals. Um, I have very rarely found the deals myself. Uh, for me, it's providing, you know, I, I find the good partners and I put them in an environment where they can do what they do best. They don't have to worry about the money. They don't have to worry about, and there's other things I can bring to the table too, you know, the structure, um, you know, uh, the whole back office thing is something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that I can help them out with. Uh, and they can focus on what they do best. And that's finding good deals and managing them and getting them to the table and closing. Um, and I will tell you uh, that I have found more new partners because other people have messed up. There is nothing, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this, there's nothing worse than being a real estate investor and finding a really amazing deal and your funding just falls apart and you end up losing the deal. And when that's happened to you, and maybe happened to you a few times, you can see that paying a little bit of a premium to have a partner or to have to know that the money's going to be there is, uh, is huge, is huge. Um, I'm going to pause a bit and see if there's any questions. Uh, I see a few in the chat here. If we work backwards, target a specific region market. Yes, uh, based on great. Yeah, um, I, I guess the kind of like what I explained in, in Hawaii, uh, not necessarily based on the, the jobs or rent or depreciation, but more because I spent so much time there. Uh, I wanted to do some write-offs and uh, you know, utilize uh, that, that I'm already going to be there anyway. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others. Uh, I'm kind of not surprised. I was going to say, I'm kind of not surprised that you just meet people and along the way and <laughs> connect with them and end up working with them because you definitely have a great personality. So I could just imagine things just sort of show up just because you chat with people, you know, you're on vacation, you're talking to people. It's really a smart thing. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, I'll, and I'll be honest to you, the vast majority of the time that I talk with people, it does not lead to a deal or to a partnership. I just, I just love talking about it. Um, I, I love telling people that have no experience in real estate that you're, you're crazy that if you have some investments that you don't have a part of it in real estate. Uh, there's just, uh, there, there's so many inefficiencies and, and so many ways that you can get tax benefits that, um, I, I just talk to everybody about that. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking on the phone with people too, whether it's from this team or, or, or you know, others, again, I, I just tend to find that you, you can really tell with some people what it's very self-serving. And for me, I just, I enjoy talking about it. A lot of times it leads to deals. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, when I first started in the industry um, and I had an idea of which direction I wanted to go, uh, I called and reached out to a lot of people, you know, uh, and I'll give you some of the sources that I did that with. And most of them wouldn't give me the time of day. Uh, and the one who did was a, a great guy. He lived in Denver. You know, we talked, we did some deals over the phone and, and uh, you know, he, uh, he really helped me out a lot. And we ended up doing business together and we made money together. Uh, and, and since then, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, you know, a pay it forward thing, you know, because I realized that, you know, when people start out, it's not easy and it's scary. And I was, I was too, and I got a lot of help myself. Um, so thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Uh, 
Let's see here. First, I think picking the best market is working forward, rising tide, a great resource. Okay, not familiar with that resource. And um, how do you track all the moving parts? Well, that's, that's a good question. Um, it, it's a broad question. And, and I would say that when it's on, the stuff on the ground is my partner's responsibility. And I try to leave them as much room as possible, mostly because it's easy for me to see if they've done it in the past and they've done it well. Um, with the guy in Hawaii would be the most example of somebody that was probably the greenest. And for him, um, you know, uh, it's just starting really, really small and, and seeing how much they can handle and how much they can't. Uh, and um, I have had some partnerships, uh, you know, quite a few where it's just gone sideways. Um, and that's okay too. You can't let yourself get, let yourself down. You got to know where your strong suits are. And even when you invest in those two, sometimes deals don't go terribly well, but I'm going to say this again. I learn more about people when things don't go well than when they do. Uh, one of the big benefits of those, those deals I did in Columbus was the first one went flawlessly. The second one started going sideways. And I really saw how my partner was able to navigate and fix it and bring it back to the, the table. Uh, and he saw that I was patient and I provided, you know, some resources too, and we figured it out, you know, together. Uh, so I, I really want to preface that again, I, I've gotten a lot of deals because other people have messed up. Uh, and I've also gotten a lot of deals because if I say I'm going to do something, I, I do it. And that, that sounds very cliche-ish, but you would be surprised or maybe not a surprise. Just a lot of people, whether it's in business or in life, they just don't always commit to what they're going to say. People like that predictability. And if you provide that and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's worth, you know, quite a bit. Um, the resource in the very beginning, honestly, uh, biggerpockets.com. If, if you guys haven't been to that site, provides so much information on real estate for, for newbies, for uh, for people who are experienced, a lot of great forums. There's things you can buy and a ton of things you just don't have to. Uh, honestly, uh, I, I wish I knew it then, uh, but I certainly know now. Right here, really amazing resource. Uh, the whole you know royal group here is, is just fabulous. Just chock full of people with great information and, and great resources. The whole team, uh, you know, has been put together of, of different avenues and people to partner with um, is, is, is just amazing. Uh, and I, I only wish that I, I had that from beforehand. Um, and uh, Chris, uh, suffice yeah. it to say that bringing the capital to the deal is an advantage, right? Yes. And uh, especially if perspective is I'm going to invest, not necessarily to do all the work, but to partner. So partnering works. And just the two alone, and if you look at it from that vantage point, you know, making the leap to invest remotely uh, becomes uh, feasible, right? Uh, and you bring an uh, essential piece, you know, to the deal. And because it's your investment, it's your money, you're going to be looking at it differently as opposed to, uh, 
you know, go into the real estate, uh, whether it's a rental, you know, whether it's local or not, right? Mm-hmm. At least from my uh, observation, uh, from people who are actually successfully doing it, not only in the residential, but also on the commercial side, um, you know, capital is always something that everybody needs, uh, project needs. And when you bring that to the table, you know, it really makes all sorts of possibilities. And then if you find the right partner, because, uh, you know, that's how you got into the business, right, Chris, when you started, you, you were actually on the money side of the equation uh, instead of being on the, on the project, on the sponsor side. Lots of project people and sponsors seeking capital. And so, anyway, for, for what that's worth. Yes, yes. Um, that can also be a bit of a crutch, too. If the only thing you're bringing is capital, uh, you're not sometimes indispensable. You have to find other ways to bring value because what, you know, although I'm, I'm good at finding capital and I'm good at finding, you know, partners that, you know, I can scale by bringing capital, uh, if, if the only value I have to them is the capital and they are good, eventually they're going to have friends, family, and professionals throwing money at them. And you may not be the cheapest option. So you, you do have to be careful there as well. Um, and another way to protect yourself too is, is that, you know, and sometimes it has to become a decision. You know, do you create the company with them? So they can't leave or do you stay as kind of, you know, a friendly lender is what I like to call it, you know, where it's still their own separate company and you have your separate company and you provide, you know, if if real estate's involved, uh, not so much in rentals is more on the fix and flip side, but more of a a lean against the property. Um, You know, I kind of like that because it equity strips the property and uh, it, it leaves you know, more wiggle room there and, and more protection. Um, but again, you, you got to make, you got to provide more value than that. Um, I, I, I want to mention something too here, guys, that although my avenue was predominantly through capital and then it grew into, you know, providing other things too, uh, it's not just because uh, you know, I have capital. Um, I'm sure you all know other people who are, you know, W-2, maybe they're lawyers, doctors or whatever, just friends that have or family. You know, you can provide capital even to outside investors that way. It adds another level and it's not as easy. But uh, just because maybe you don't have enough capital yourself, uh, you can, if the deal is good and you're a good connector, you can make it happen that way too. Uh that makes sense. Let's see what else we got here. So, uh, I, you know, I want to mention something about profit splits. Uh, th- th- that's also something too, that there's nothing set in stone. Guys, every partner I have and, and every relationship and all those different places I told you about, everything is, you know, for good and for bad is, is a completely different scenario in terms of what percentage of my pro- uh, the profit that I get uh, you know, how much of it is, is, you know, guaranteed and how much of it is just is not. Uh, and the point is, is that everything is negotiable, uh, you know, uh, and every situation is different. 
You, you know, you might have a partner, uh, you know, who's abroad, they're too busy to do the property management. So you have property management. So, you know, whereas if they do do the property management and let's say it is their full-time gig, then maybe they, you know, they deserve a higher end of the profit. Um, if, if, uh, you know, so there's, you know, if they're W2 or, you know, depending on their scale, I mean, there's, uh, depending on their ability, uh, your comfort level. And, and it could even be like with my, with my, uh, with my guy in Columbus, it started where he had a very small percentage, uh, profit and then had certain parameters in which to increase it up to 50%. Uh, and, and that is, uh, you know, you can get creative on that. And I, I encourage that. Um, so that's, that's important to realize too, that there's really nothing set in stone. Uh, it does, it's not always 50, 50, and it's not always fair to be 50, 50. Um, and a lot of times too, uh, I, I mean, I've had partners, like I, I mentioned before, where they were small and then they became big and had money thrown at them. And I had to accept lower and lower percentage of profits. But, uh, you know, it, it also, the scale increased as well. Uh, and, and, and honestly, one of my favorite things that I ever heard, uh, and this was from partners I had way, way in the beginning, and unfortunately that uh, short sale market that they 100% depend on fizzled out. Uh, you know, they came to me and they said, hey, look, Chris, we're using you now. Uh, and, uh, but in the future, you know, we're going to grow to a point where we're just not going to need you know, your capital anymore, because we're just going to have our own. And um, I, I, I chuckle a little bit, but and I didn't, I didn't feel threatened by it. And I didn't for a few reasons. And, and look, one reason is because very often, if you know, if people grow, uh, they grow and they start using their own capital, but they still don't have enough, because they've grown. So they're still using my capital. Uh, unfortunately, some people, uh, their business, you know, goes under and they don't need my capital anymore. Um, a lot of people, the more money they make, the more they spend. Um, so they'll still need my capital. Uh, so in most of those scenarios, they still need my capital. Um, as long as I'm still performing, as long as I'm still predictable. Um, uh, in terms of property management, guys, uh, I do use it in some of those cases. Uh, in some of those markets, I have rentals, you know, with partners. And those partners are either busy fix and flipping or they're finding other rentals. Um, or it's in the beginning stages. I, I highly recommend that if you are starting with property management, that you eventually get to a point where you bring that in-house and you have that created yourself. Uh, you know, very often with part, I don't, you know, how good your relationship was with them, but they're always going to benefit if there's turnover. They often benefit if there's need for repair. Uh, and if you could bring that in-house and have everybody on the same page, it's often a lot better. Um, uh, when it comes to scale, it's a lot easier to do if you have partners who are doing most of the heavy lifting. So I, I know we had some questions on scale there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop through a lot of these things really quick so I can have a little bit of time for Q&A and maybe look back at the chat. So, yeah, again, with scale, easier with partners. Uh, you know, financing, um, I, I'm not having a problem with that, guys. I, I think if you've got good deals that uh, have uh, equity in them, there's a lot of national... Uh, you know, finance of America, the world's or, or banks, uh, you know, that you can go through. I, I often, I don't do the Fat Fannie Freddie, you know, 10 property loans because I'm doing with partners and I'm too selfish to want, I want to save those for myself. 
you know, with partners I'm, I'm doing through banks or through some of those national. Yes, it has gone higher in terms. Uh, I'm not getting that three, seven, five rate that I was before. But if the deals are good enough and you've got good partners, um, I'm still able to pull out a lot of the money, uh, if not majority of the money that we put toward uh, those rentals. Um, in terms of uh, bookkeeping and accounting, you have to have to have something that's online, whether that's QuickBooks, Buildium, PropertyWare, there's a whole bunch of different ones out there, but uh, it is so much easier if it's online and you're able to, to stay on top of that. All right, I'm gonna take a look quick look here in the chat. Uh, thanks for sharing, thank you. Networking, networking is very, very key. In-state, out-of-state, uh, networking is, is very, very helpful to find partners and to find deals. Uh, how do you structure your partnerships 50-50? Some of them yes, some of them no. Again, it, it really depends. Um, you, you, know, uh, you know, I have partners that spend over a half a million on marketing to find these properties and I'm getting them, you know, 25, 30% under, uh, you know, if you would have got them on the MLS. So there has to be some accounting for that. Uh, and, you know, there, there are some where, they, like I said, they use property management and some that don't. So there's got to be some accounting for that. But everything is negotiable, guys. Everything is negotiable. And as long as, you know, both people are happy, um, do it. Uh, be careful with the handshake deals. You know, have, have real legal. Have somebody create, you know, documents for you. Uh, it's much easier to have that all on paper and know what your expectations are of each other uh, during that honeymoon phase when things are good, because uh, when things go sideways or bad, you want that to rely on uh, in, in case that happens. Um, I very often, you know, especially with rental properties, uh, and I'm depending so much on my partners, I have anti-embezzling clauses in there. I want it to be, and unfortunately, I've never had to fall through on them, but I want it to be exceptionally painful and understood that if you do things shady in a shady way, we're going to have a really, really hard time. And this is going to sound extremely pompous. The last guy you want to piss off is the one who has deeper pockets than you do. <laughs> so uh, yeah, definitely make sure you've got good paperwork. Um, you know, another big selling point for these guys, when you have a partner like me guys, is that Honestly, uh, you know, when you deal with a lot of those other national things, there's a lot of due diligence appraisals and things that you got to go through and timing is everything for these investors. Uh, and you want somebody who's going to move really quick on a deal. Let's see. Sorry. Can you list, please? I heard QuickBooks. Um, yeah, QuickBooks. Uh, Buildium is my favorite for rental properties. If you're just starting out, Wave. And Stessa, uh, Stessa for rentals, Wave for just general accounting are free options. Um, I am stuck doing QuickBooks with one of my partners only because their bookkeeper insists on using it. Otherwise, we can't use her. And she is really amazing. Um, but I prefer Xero, X-E-R-O, over uh, QuickBooks. I find it's very similar, but easier and less expensive. Uh, if you have an accountant or bookkeeper uh, who uses it, um, or one I'll recommend, they often have a, a discount, uh, you know, on uh, what they're what they show on their website as well. Um, try this, okay? All right, we got some help. All right. Um, anybody else? Any hands? Uh, Peter, uh, you're muted, my friend. 
Still muted. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, Peter, your, your mute button. Uh, there we go. Hey, can you uh, hear me now? Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm usually not this technology uh, sad, but quick question for you. So I, I invest in a lot of uh, private uh, funds that are, you know, really property development funds for specific projects. And I'm just curious in your outlook right now, I, we're getting, I'm getting a lot more capital calls than I was expecting. And it's because of the cost bus and even one that um, I'm investing in right now is in Salt Lake, Lake city. It's a multi, it's basically a hotel, but it's from the developers are very reputable, uh, large scale developers. And even they're getting all kinds of cost busts in their project. And this particular one was actually 40% above their original pro forma. And so they're kind of walking back a lot of that. But like, is, for someone that's kind of going into these deals right now, interest rates are higher. Um, you know, you think about, uh, you know, all these commodity increases and, you know, just think about the, the wild roller coaster lumber has had over the last uh, two years. Like, how are you dealing with that? And what's the outlook now for something like that, rather than like a, a rehab or, um, you know, just doing single family type of uh, small deals? Great question. Um, I, I think the, 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 there, there's a few things here to unpack. Um, one, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm a big fish in a small pond in a sense, you know, where, and I've kind of avoided doing some of the, the fund rise and the big funds thing. I, I think that's, I think it could be wonderful and uh, it's, a, it's, it's a much more passive play, um, but mine is a, a little more of an active role. So I have a bit more of an idea of the kind of project and the scale, uh, you know, when I'm dealing with single family, you know, products. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you the cliche that you, you make your money when, when you buy and when I see the deal from the beginning, there's got to be there, there's got to be some equity there. there there's got to be some reason that we're buying it. I mean, if you're buying straight from the MLS and you're competing against a whole bunch of other people, it's really rare that you're getting a good deal. And there's a lot more risk there. Um, so a lot, most of the deals that I'm investing in, there's a lot of cushion. And there's also I, I feel comfortable that there's multiple outs. If I'm in a fix and flip. Uh, you know, I'm predominantly in the South and Midwest, uh, and I, I, I strongly feel that even if the market went down quite a bit, I could sell it, get my money back, or uh, I could turn it into a rental and either keep it as a rental or sell it down the line if I want to. But having those multiple outs uh, and having that understanding with my partners that um, we have to be flexible, that if the market shifts on us. Uh, that we're going to have to make that choice. Uh, and when we're fixing flipping, it's, it's very, it's infrequent that I have uh, like uh, another investor involved where we have to worry about those interest rates. I mean, I've, I've played around and I have used the whole, you know, bring in like a finance of America, you know, in, uh, to, to do the first and I'll come in as like a second and provide the rest of the funding. And, and I've done that a few times and, Wow, it can really juice my returns, and it's great. And, and I would, I would still consider doing that. Um, and uh, but that also increases your risk, you know, two per se. Um, 
but because you know because i am heavily involved uh it's it's a different kind of risk and it's uh does that make sense does that kind of answer your question peter yeah it does i, I guess i'm just kind of curious on what your outlook is going forward because ah. right i mean here, here's the deal i mean i had just a capital call yesterday um, because the property developer had, you know, they underestimated the cost and, you know, it was literally a 40% increase in the costs for building the structure. And, uh, you know, they had to have a capital call, which yeah. no investor really wants to do, but really a lot of it is shared resources just in that area. And this one is in Salt Lake city. But um, because there's all these other, there's like an Amazon warehouse being built there. There's, um, you know, Facebook is building another office out there. And it's, it's that scarcity of labor as well as the high cost that just busted their pro forma. And th the good news is, you know, if you want to have a rental uh, in that area because of all those good things that are happening, like, you know, how, however many jobs Amazon's going to bring there, however many jobs these these different corporations are going to bring their, that's good for the, the housing market, but the building stage is going to be really volatile and really expensive. And so I'm just curious if that's, you know, something that you're thinking about and considering for a single family house in Houston, maybe not so much, but, you know, if you want to think about a multi-rental or, you know, this particular deal is going to be a hotel, but um, it's, you know, it's created a lot more, um, I guess, me thinking about what the future looks like from this point on. Everything up until this point felt really good. But now, again, interest rates are higher. And, you know, I usually go in through the equity tranches. But, you know, these big projects still need bank lending. They still need, you know, uh, you know, they need. Peter, if I, I'm going to cut you off. such a. We're getting here toward the end, but uh, but I, I think I have a, a, an idea of what you're what you're asking. And uh, you know, whenever I see a when I hear capital call, when I have investors that I'm working with that uh, their budget is getting completely blown out, look, I, I have to look dig into the deal and see what's going on here. You know, did they open up the walls and found something that they just weren't expecting? You know, what is their you know their track record been on being over budget? Um, I have some that I've done worked with forever and they always give me a budget and I, oh, I know it's always going to be 20% more. And I just, I put that into my model now because it's just predictable. I know it's going to be more. And when it's less, I'm just surprised. Uh, and because I know that it has to fit my model, there, there has to still be the equity there and otherwise we don't invest in it. Um, and they're often with some of them, I, I, you know, a lot of these deals, I don't have them have money in the deal unless unless they go over budget and then it comes out of their pocket. They got to come up with it too. And uh, so you got to be, you got to have partners that, you know, do have some capital. Uh, but, you know, again, when, when you see these issues and these problems, it's a red flag. And if you have a partner that's consistently doing that, uh, that becomes an issue. Or if you have a big, a deal that's so large and it has a capital call, maybe it's time to start looking on a smaller scale if that's not something that you're able to work with. Or if you're in a position where you have multiple investors and a capital call and you've got to get agreement from everybody, that's just a whole nother level of complication that frankly, I, I, I don't have to deal with. It's, it's me. 
Uh, and if, if it's not something that I'm willing to do, well, then we just sell the property it is and I get my money back and move on to the next. Um, uh, and, you know, if somebody's going to mess with me and we're, uh, you know, I'm co-invested on a dozen other properties with them, it, it, people are less likely to, to do that if I'm co-invested on a number of different properties. So you may want to look at some other markets. Uh, my, my crystal ball is horrible. I, I don't know. All I know is that I've got a lot of equity in most of my deals. Uh, the amount of leverage I have is, is minimal. Um, so even if rents go down or, uh, you know, things happen, I've got, I've got wiggle room and I, I can sleep at night. Uh, and I'm also sleep at night knowing that the vast majority of my wealth was created when we had a down economy as opposed to when we had an up one. Um, if we had another, I don't feel like we're heading toward another 2008. Those were totally, totally uh, different parameters. Yeah, you might argue that some of these properties are overvalued, but we have a ton, a ton, a ton of demand still. You've got a whole generation of millennials that are just starting to buy houses that they've been putting off for the longest time. Um, yes, interest rates are higher, but they are still low from a historical point of view. If you can't make a deal work, with six and a half interest, then it's not a good deal. We've all been punched drunk off these low, low interest rates and assume that's the only way to make a deal. People were making deals in the 80s with 15% interest. If it's a good deal, you'll find it. Uh, and if not, then look at a different market. Um, I know that's a little bit blunt, but it, I, I feel very strongly about that uh, because the deals I find, I'm, believe me, I'm making a lot more than six and a half percent on my deals. And my guys are finding deals and making heavy profits and paying me a lot more than six and a half percent. So you, you got to do a little bit better than, um, and again, I'm sorry, this is sounding a little blunt, than, than going to like a fun rise or, or something like that where they have a, an offer because uh, that's, that's predominantly for people who have W-2 income and, and just want to be 100% passive. There are plenty of people who can make a, a plenty of money doing that. But if you're going to be a real estate you know, investor, a professional and do this full time, um, that's a great way to do it if you want to just be a totally lifestyle play and just have it on the side. Um, but it requires a little more work if, um, if you're looking for deals with a lot of meat on the bone, I guess is the point I'm making. So, Chris, right. the, other thing, the other thing that that's clear to me, I know we're over time, is that the partners or the local partners that you have that's really their core competency, right? They've been doing that. that right? better be. it, wasn't, it wasn't something that was brought into the mix, you know, to build uh, the team or the business. It was something that they were already really, really good at. And you recognize that. So when you partner with them um, to do your, your projects, that was something that they were already pretty good at. So well, I suppose- let's take, that, let's take a step back, Alex. Um, I didn't bring them in to do my projects. Understood. More often than not, Understood. I'm coming in onto their projects. Uh, and although you're right, the majority of the time, they already have a lot of those things set up. I'll tell you, my guy in Hawaii had none of that set up. I just knew he was an engineer by trade that uh, he had fixed and flipped already a number of houses that he lived in and that he knew every single part of a house and how to fix it himself. And I knew that if I ended up only doing one or two deals with him a year, that that would be not ideal, but would be okay. Uh, because I go there all the time anyway. I wanted a good excuse to be able to write off uh, a lot of expenses from going to a place I love to visit. 
uh, and uh, you know, we could make it. We, it was a it was a good risk. I suppose the point I wanted to get across is rather than looking for a project for the deal flow and you looking from different sources, perhaps the the perspective would be to look for that local partner, just as you have described. And since you're going to be bringing capital in a way that you can leverage, especially if you're coming at it uh, on your cap table on the equity side of, of, the, of the project, because you can really leverage that. In fact, you could probably do multiple projects instead of just doing one if you do it by yourself. Right, right, 100%. And again, that's one of the reasons why um, I say it's good to do things, you know, in a remote way is that uh, uh, because most of my partners are doing the heavy lifting, uh, I can I can juggle a lot more scale. Uh, and uh, if, look, I, I've got a really fun picture of me on Facebook. Uh, this is back. 10 years ago when I had really long hair and my hair was flowing everywhere and I got this big heavy hammer and I'm knocking down a wall. And that was a lot of fun. And I'd probably be doing a lot more of that if it were, things were local, but it's not a good use of my time. And I'll be honest, I took two whacks at that thing and I had to hand it to the professional, finish up the job. But uh, it's uh, it forces me to depend on others. And I, I know too many entrepreneurs, they're all local. They do so much of the work themselves. They're doing 60 hours a week and they're very, very limited on their scale because they feel like, oh, I'm, in, I'm just not replaceable. Bullshit. You're replaceable. And if you're not and you want to scale, you better learn how to uh, navigate and to delegate. Uh, otherwise, it's impossible to scale. You're not irreplaceable. 